How y'all doing? Low-level energy. I'm going to need y'all to pick it up. Uh, let's see. Yeah, first service was really weird today, like all the other days. Um, at 3 o'clock today, if you want to help, we're moving all of the stuff, like everything in this room. Not the chairs, but all of our stuff. We shouldn't take the chairs because they're not ours. But we can get away with it. <laughs> But in that other building next door, we take all that stuff all the way across. Our new building is right over there. If you didn't make that clear, I don't, wasn't listening. Um, <clears throat> so it's been a really wild, wild ride these last two years. It was almost exactly two years ago that we had our first service in this building. It was the last or the second to last. It might have been exactly two years. It was like February 19th. Um, and... The very first time we set up this, this room like this, we had this stage was on that side of the room. We thought, that's a good place for it. And then as I'm preaching, someone needed to use the restroom. And so they walked right in front of the stage. And I'm like, hey, where are you going? You know, and then uh, she went to the restroom. And I felt really bad for asking where she was going. Um, but in that service, there was, I think, 12 people. And that was the highest number of people we had had for a service at the time. And, uh, and again, you know, this is not, it's not about having a big crowd. Um, it's about uh, having an effect on people's lives, and, and we get to do that. And I'm just, I'm so blessed. I don't understand why y'all keep coming and listening to me talk. I wouldn't if I was you. So, but that's probably not a good thing for a pastor to say, so pretend I didn't say that. Um, we are in the Gospel of John right now. Uh, we've been kind of slowly going through the Gospel of John. We are um, going to close the or do another part of the conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus, one of the most famous conversations in history. And one of the reasons the most famous conversations in history is because there's this verse that some of you have heard of. It is John 3:16. You ever heard that verse? It was the second verse that I memorized. Do you know what the first verse was? Jesus wept, because y'all memorized it too. Good job. Uh, so, but I'm going to give you a little bit of the backdrop to that conversation. From Mount Or, they set out by the way to the Red Sea uh, to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. People became impatient on the way. That, it's a good thing people don't do that anymore. Uh, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Now, pay attention to this line. For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Liars. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. I didn't make this up. This actually happened. And they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone... He would look at the bronze serpent and live. That's crazy, right? If you've never heard that story before, you're like, what kind of story is this? So um, to give you a little illustration, we, the, if everyone will look under your chair, we have a snake for you. I'm just kidding. Don't. There's, 
<laughs> I thought that we could do an Oprah thing, um, but there's, there's no snakes. Um, you know what's really good is the way that God interacts with us today is not the way he interacted with the people, God's people, way back in the Old Testament. Can you imagine if when you were whining, he sent snakes to bite you and kill you? Like, wouldn't that be great? It's a good story I would tell my kids before they would go to bed. You're like reading the Bible. Hey, look, don't be like the Israelites whining because God will send snakes to get you. Uh, that was good. Anyway, my kids are in therapy now. Uh, not really. Uh, I, I'm, I really celebrate that, uh, that God is so good, that his love is so great for us, that he doesn't deal with us the same way. Um, God is sovereign over everything. Look, this is, a, this is a very difficult concept for me to try to squeeze into a simple explanation. But everything that's happened in your life up to this moment, God has allowed those things to happen. God did not cause those things to happen, but he has allowed those things to happen. And so you may be thinking, if you think of the worst, the absolute worst thing that's ever happened to you, think of that, and you, th- you sit there and you think, why would God allow that thing to happen? Look at you now. That's why. Like, look at you now. You are stronger today than you were then. And, and you may not be able to see the redemption that happened after that thing. But if you will allow God to, to redeem your life, God works all things together for good for those who love him, which should be you, and are called according to his purposes, which should be you. So if you will allow God to redeem every situation, the worst thing that happened, he will turn it into something good. Whenever I was a teenager, whenever I was a kid, I was physically and emotionally abused my entire life living in my home. A lot, a lot. And I, at the time, I still don't look back at it and say, well, that was great. I'm so glad I got to do that. Um, But many times, because, I mean, it didn't work, (laughs) because I'm still this um, but sometimes y'all can keep y'all amens. Uh, but what I've been able to do is what God has done with that abuse is he's redeemed a lot of it because I've been able to counsel people who have been abused. Uh, with teenagers, I've been able to talk to hundreds, maybe thousands of teenagers who have been in abuse. And, and I've been able to say to them, look, I understand where you are right now, understand how you feel. And God can heal all of those wounds. He absolutely can. So it's important that we understand that everything that happens in our life, God has allowed that thing to happen. Because if you look at the other side, if God is not sovereign over all, then that means Satan has free will over you. And Satan can attack you and kill you if God, if God wasn't there over all of it. And Satan doesn't reign supreme. God does, right? It's, feel free to say amen when I say some good things. Uh, Satan, uh, death and sickness and disease do not win in the end. Jesus wins in the end. And we know that. We know that is good because God is sovereign. I'm going to talk about this a little bit again in a minute, but God is sovereign. You need to trust that God is sovereign. I have friends that we've, we have gone round and round and round about this that feel like humans don't have choices because God already made a plan, and he has planned every single minute detail of your life, so you don't really actually have a choice of anything. So what I usually do is I reach over and go, and I slap him. I'm like, look, that's God's plan, bro. That's God's plan. 
You needed that slap. God planned for you to have that slap. And then they get mad. I'm like, look, man, I'm just following God's plan for you, for your life. I would love to tell you right now that that wasn't true, but that is legit true. I have done that multiple times because it's God's plan. All right. John 3.14. We're only doing three verses today. Sorry, we're not getting through the book of the Gospel of John anytime uh, in the next couple years. So uh, I, I'm not kidding. I think it's going to take two years. Uh, today, uh, verses 13, 14, and no, 14, 15, and 16. And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. So as God so often does, he takes a thing that we're like, what is going on here? Why would you do it like this? If you were going to send a savior to come and save the world, you would have sent a warrior, right? Some big, massive dude looking like me, like buff and, and swole, like, and coming in to like, to like throw hands, like th- that's what, we would have sent a big warrior. And God flips the script and he sends a baby. Like, he does it different. Every single time we think, you know, we would do it this way, God does it the opposite way. The reason he does that is because God doesn't want us being dependent on ourselves. So he does it a different way. Whenever, if you have an idea of what God has planned for your life, the direction he wants you to go, and you, you're like, I don't know how this can possibly happen. That's how you know it's a God thing. If you can see every step along the way, it's a you thing. And you should have dreams for your life. You should have plans of things you're working towards. But if you can't see, how in the world am I going to get there? Like, how in the world can that possibly happen? That's how you know it's God. And he will flip things over in the world to line you up with his plan and what he wants to do. But you have to get to a place where when you step out of the boat onto the water, God has to move. And if he doesn't move, you sink. But sometimes you just got to step out and be like, all right, God, you said to do this. So I'm going to trust you and I'm going to do this. And when you step out, he moves. He makes it to where you can stand on the water. It's just crazy. And things like this, every big move for me in my life made absolutely no sense whatsoever. Whenever I left Chick-fil-A, owning a Chick-fil-A, to go and be a youth pastor. I was making a lot of money at Chick-fil-A. And then I don't know what you guys know about youth ministry, but youth pastors don't make a lot of money. They make the opposite of a lot of money. Larry, what's your salary? Zero. So youth pastors don't make a lot of money. Fortunately, I got to move to a bigger church that they paid me, but they didn't pay me a lot of money. So I left, it made no sense. It made no earthly sense. But you know what did make sense? I knew that God told me to do it, so I had to do it, period. What, another thing that didn't make a lot of sense, another big move in my life, is moving from a very successful church where I was feeling like I was going to be the next guy to take over, leaving that church that I loved the people, I loved the area, I loved everything about it, and coming to New Braunfels where I knew zero people and starting a church. And now look at you. Like, look at y'all. Y'all are here because... We did what God told us to do, and we're growing together because we're doing what God told us to do, and you are doing what God told you to do. That's why we're all here together, and it's so great. It never makes sense when it's a God thing. It doesn't make sense to your logical mind when it's a God thing, but when it's a you thing, and that's, it's okay to do you things. It's okay to do things that make sense. Sometimes you have to do things that make sense. Sometimes you have to take a job that makes sense for you to take that job, but sometimes you have to take a job that makes absolutely no sense. 
because God is telling you to do it. And when God tells you to do it, I promise you guys, I promise you, do the thing and you will be amazed of the things that God will do in your life. The hope of the gospel is that God is behind it all. God is working things together for good, and you're stumbling through life, messing up, and like, uh, John sent me a video this week of this kid. He's, he made a drink, and he's, and he's carrying this drink, and he's walking with the drink, and then he spills a drink, and he's like, oh, no, I peeled it. And then there's a spill on the, so he goes over and he gets the thing to wipe the, the spill up and he's holding his drink and he leans over to wipe the drink up and it's, it's spilling out. And he's like, oh no, I peeled it. And he's like, he cleans it up and then he goes over and he's getting, he gets two drinks and he's like, I had two drinks. And he walks in and he goes, what? And then it's like a mess everywhere, like spill everywhere. That's you. That is your life. That is what it looks like when you're putting stuff together and you're like, okay, I can do it. I can do it. It's the people that say, I'll go to church whenever I get my life together. Look, the reason your life is messed up is because you've been trying to do it. So you're spilling things and you can't do it on your own. Stop spilling stuff. Just just go. Just trust the Lord with your future. Because if you keep, I mean, you're just going to keep messing it up. Like I'll go to the hospital when I'm healthy. It doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. You can't fix it. You fixing it is what's messing it up even worse. And so he says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness and Israel looked to it and saved them, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. This lifted up is absolutely beautiful. The, The first time you read through the book of John, like when you first got saved, you're reading through the book of John and you, you read this verse, the, the son of man must be lifted up. Well, you know, you'll, you'll figure out that Jesus is the son of man. But what is this lifted up? This lifted up idea becomes the center point of Christianity. All of Christianity hinges on Jesus being lifted up, lifted up on the cross. And John 19, lifted up. Jesus is the one that is lifted up for us. That's the thing that you have to look to in order to be saved. When the things in life, the sin in life attacks you and kills you, if you will look to the one that is lifted up, you will be saved. That's the story in Numbers that, that the, the serpent lifted up, the one that's lifted up, if you will look to that, you will be saved. The only way to be saved is to look to Jesus. That's it. That's that's the whole story. People think that Christianity is about the teachings of Jesus or Christianity is about spiritual gifts or Christianity is about the prayer of Jabez or Christianity is about end times or Christianity is about boycotting Harry Potter or Christianity is about who knows what. Like Christianity is about so many, all these peripheral issues. They, They put them in the center and the center of it all is the cross. It's the cross. It all comes back to the cross. I'm not sure if y'all are getting bored with my preaching because of how I talk about the gospel every time. But look, I don't... I don't care at all if you get tired of the gospel. If you don't want to hear the gospel, I can tell you dozens of churches you can go to. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, sort of. I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) The teachings of Jesus is not what saves you in the end. 
The teachings of Jesus is not what saves you in the end. The teachings of Jesus are very good. You can listen to the Sermon on the Mount, and you can do all of those things that, uh, that he talks about in the, in the Sermon on the Mount and still not go to heaven because it's the one that's lifted up. It's looking to the cross. It's looking to Jesus on the cross. In order for you to be reconciled with the perfect God of all creation, you have to trust in the one that was lifted up. We spend so much time on and we get so distracted with marginal things that are not eternal things. The center of the Christian gospel is the death and resurrection of Jesus, the lifting up. You can listen to years and years and years of sermons um, that are about Christianity, but it's not Jesus lifted up. It's not the most important thing. It's about following the teachings of Jesus as a reflection of somebody who has trusted the work. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 2. He said, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus Christ and him crucified is what it should all be about. Jesus Christ and him crucified. So whenever I preach, I don't give you, um, here's five points that start with the letter S. And they, or, or the, the, the tweets, you know, people, sometimes you go to churches and I wish I was good like that. Like I wish I could make the sermon into like song lyrics and it's something that you can easily tweet a line that's like, oh, that's good. That, and it rhymes. It's so good. But I'm like, I'll prepare a message and then I'll be like, okay, this is how that's going to go. And then I come up here and it doesn't go like that. Like, it's like, Tasmanian devil going, blah, 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 that's how I feel in the spiritual realm. Like, I'm like just grabbing stuff like, Lord, come on, what's, what is this? And I'm just trying to share what, what the Lord wants to say to us, all of us. And it doesn't rhyme. And it doesn't, a lot of times, I'll, I listen to my preaching. It's the worst possible pain you can imagine. <laughs> Y'all have heard your, a recording of your voice, right? And you're like, how do people listen to me? Ugh. Imagine if you're me. It's worse for me. I don't know why. Everything in our lives should be about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. All the songs we sing up here should be about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The sermons should be about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Your entire life should be pointing to Jesus Christ and Him crucified, right? Why? I have a question real quick. Why are y'all making so much noise today? (laughs) Y'all, everybody, if you have something, go ahead and drop it. And it's going to hit the ground, and everyone's going to hear it. It's like, I don't understand what is happening. Y'all are so unprofessional, okay? If you're listening to the podcast right now, you cannot hear that everyone in the room, has, everyone has dropped something at least once. I love you guys. The day we become, like, uh, polished, never mind, that's never going to happen. I can't even say it. It's all about Jesus Christ and him crucified. Everybody say amen. Amen. So is your life pointing people toward Jesus Christ and him crucified? Is your life doing that? Some of you are like, yeah, absolutely. I'm not concerned about your your morality. I'm not concerned about, it's not about the, the church you go to. It's not about whether you sing well or you preach well or you do certain spiritual things. It's not about uh, whether you can memorize scripture. It's not about if you serve in the church. It's not about if you give to the church. Side note, I, I said this in first service. The side note is, if this is not your church, I'm not talking to you, so don't, I don't, I'm not trying to trick you into giving money. So many people in 2022, in this last two months, have started giving. People that were coming to church here before, um, people that have just recently started to come here, are giving. 
What is cool about that is not, I, look, I'm not getting rich here. Trust me, remember the Chick-fil-A thing? So uh, none of us are getting rich here. But what is cool about so many people giving is that you are on mission with us. Like you believe in what God is calling us to do and you're joining us in that mission. I'm, uh, I've done this and this is, I've, I've not heard other preachers do this, maybe others do, but I say all the time, we don't need your money. It's not a good business plan. We don't need your money. We legit, we don't need your money because what we know about this church is we're going to do what God's called us to do. And if God tells us to do it, if God tells us to step out of the boat, we're going to step out of the boat, period. There's no question of, are we going to step out? So if God tells us to do a thing, we're going to do the thing and he'll just make a way when it, when the time comes for it to happen, he'll make a way. Tithing wasn't set up. Of course, when you give, it blesses the church. Absolutely. But tithing wasn't this business plan that God's like, okay, how am I going to fund those churches down there? I know what I'll do. I'll make everyone give money. That's, that wasn't the plan. Tithing was not to bless the church. It does bless the church, but tithing, the plan for tithing was to bless you. It is so that God can be in your finances, so that he can move in your finances. Because the tithe is a way for him to say, um, for you to say to him, I trust you. So I'm going to give you the first 10%, and then I trust you with the rest. You're, and he makes the rest go further. So that's a side note. Look, if, you're not, if this is not your church, don't give. You can if you want, but don't give. I'm telling you, don't give. If this is your church, give. You, it is for you to be blessed. It is a benefit for you. Okay? Let's talk about Adam and Eve. Naturally, the next thing we talk about is Adam and Eve, right? I like to do these smooth transition segues. And that was not smooth. The reason that Adam and Eve fall is because Satan convinces them that if they eat the fruit, they will become like God. Adam and Eve are trying to lift themselves up as the thing to be saved by. Adam and Eve are trying to be the answer to the... Oh, Jesus. Adam and Eve are becoming the answer to... Y'all are so unprofessional. I just don't know. Um, so Adam and Eve are trying to answer the question for themselves. They're trying to become like God. They're trying to lift themselves up. They, they are... Are we going to lift ourselves up or are we going to lift Jesus up? Are we going to be worried about, uh, about our own name? Are we going to be worried about Jesus' name? Are we going to be worried about our own reputation? Or are we going to be worried about Jesus' reputation? Are, 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 the things, are we pointing people to God? Are we pointing people to ourselves? Are we bragging about how good we are? Are we bragging about how good God is? Are we, are we making a plan for our own lives and then following that plan? Are we trusting the plan that he has for us? Um, there's only two options here. For a Christian, there's only two options. You're doing it your way or you're doing it the right way. You're doing it your way or you're doing it God's way. Those are the only two options. There's not a, you can say, well, I have to do this because of this and this and this and this. And if I do this and this and this and this, look, just do the next thing God's telling you to do. Just do the next thing. And then worry about the next, next thing when you do the next thing. Understand? The cross is a thing that reverses the sin that so easily entangles us. Whenever we look to the one lifted up, we have power over the sin that trips us up. And as Moses lifted up on the serpent, 
lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Eternal life. Aeonios Zoe. Aeonios Zoe. Aeonios Zoe. Say it. Why do y'all sound like drones? You know, when you talk in a group, you don't just say it normal. You're like, hey, All right, I'm going to say it, say it for real, okay? Aeonios Zoe. Good. That is eternal life. Uh, whenever I started uh, doing the research on this, m- my mind was blown. Like, it's not uh, implying that there's a quantity of life. Your eternal life is this long, you're going to live forever. So eternal life is this, this uh, many, 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 many more years, much more time. It's not the quantity, it's the quality of life. The eternal life is not, is not the forever life where you have more time. The eternal life is the abundant life that Jesus was talking about. In John 10, he talks about, he said, I came to give you life and I came to give you life abundantly. It's this, it's whole, this zoe is this whole fulfilling life. It's what Jesus offers to his followers, the overflowing, abundant, fulfilling life. No matter who you are, you, uh, the, the full life is exactly what you're looking for. In the food that you eat, you are looking for fullness. And not fullness of belly, you're looking for this satisfaction. In the house that you live in, in the job that you have, in the, the person you married, in the kids that you are raising, in the places you go on vacation, you are looking for this fulfillment that is not found in those things. Looking for purpose and meaning and value and joy and delight are not found in those things. You're not going you're, you're to gonna, to find any of that thing by lifting yourself up. You have to find that fulfillment, that abundant life, that, that aeonios zoe in and the one that is lifted up for you. If, if your Christianity is about, about your final destination, if Christianity is only about getting to heaven when you die, you are missing out on the abundant life today. Look at this. Eternal life has already begun for you. Eternal life, it started when you asked Jesus into your heart to save you and redeem you and sanctify you and build you, eternal life already started. So then my question to you is, has abundant life started? If eternal life already started at that moment, then why has the abundant life not started? It's not because Jesus is holding it back from you. He's not. He wants to give it to you. So if, he, if your abundant life hasn't started, then there's something on your side that you have to do, right? And that is lifting up the one that was lifted up for you. Uh, we keep trying these secular answers to the question of eternal life. Uh, we cannot find the answers in ourselves. And whenever you try to find the answer to eternal life in anything besides Jesus, you know what that's called? It's a three-letter word. Sin. It's called sin. Well, you can't find eternal answers in secular things. They're not, those, those secular things are not big enough to hold the answer. It's only through eternity it's only through jesus that we find eternal answers the whole reason you sin is because you're trying to find the answer to the question of eternal life through something other than god i heard this quote and at first i was like that's weird uh but the more i thought about it the more it's true every man this is the quote every man that walks into a strip joint is looking for god he's looking for fulfillment 
So what's, what is going on behind that habitual lust that you deal with? What's going on behind the, the habitual sin, whatever the sin is? What's, what's behind the gossip? Why is it that you do that? What's behind, uh, what's behind the addiction? What are you looking for? What's behind the, the shopping? What's behind, it's this, this, what's behind it is this constant pursuit of fulfillment, this constant pursuit of pleasure. It's searching for eternal life in everything but God. And you can't find it there. And John 17 says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Knowing God is the best and the highest and the, the ultimate thing that we can do in life is knowing him. And not knowing of him, all of us know of him, but knowing him, actually having a relationship with him is the ultimate fulfillment in this life. That's the abundant life, right? So some people do this thing where they say, amen, and they make you say the question, like amen, question mark, and so that you being a congregant know that your response is supposed to be amen, and so I realized I was doing that, so I was like, I don't want to do that habit, so I don't often say amen, question mark, but I say, right, question mark, so I'm tricking y'all. Like, I'm not just doing it. I'm just like, I'm going to trick y'all. I'm going to trick them. Jeremiah 29, 23, and 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. Is that describing social media? Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. I wonder if social media didn't exist how many people would still go to the gym? It's interesting. But anyway, this is social media. Let not the rich man boast. In his, I had some more things to say, but then I was like, people will think I'm talking specifically to them. So, uh, But let him who boasts... Boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For these things I delight, declares the Lord. Do you want bios, which is just life, getting through life? It's your biological life. Or do you want zoe, the abundant life? I think we all want the abundant life. If, you're, if I ask you, do you want the abundant life? You're, every one of you, if I look you in the eyes, every one of you is like, yes, I want the abundant life. What are you, stupid? Of course I want the abundant life. I'm like, well, then you need to quit smoking weed. You need to quit with the, with the pornography. You need to quit chasing after the things in the world, and you need to chase after the things of God. If you want the abundant life, it's easy to understand the things you have to do. It's easy to understand. Sometimes it's really difficult to do those things, but it's easy to understand. If you want abundant life that is far beyond what you could even imagine, chase after Jesus, and we'll see what happens. You won't regret it. You, as a matter of fact, if you find a single person ever, you know that there are people, I need everyone to answer here. You know that there are people on the earth that, that are chasing after Jesus, right? Okay, find one of them, and I dare you to find one who regrets it. Just one. If you talk to every single person on earth who is chasing after Jesus, you will not find one that says, you know, I wish I had waited a little longer. I wish I had, had not tried so hard to do spiritual things. I wish I had not really uh, laid down my life for Jesus. Every single one of them will tell you the same thing. Everyone will say, I... I I really wish I was doing it more. 
I wish I was better. I wish I prayed more. I wish I served more. I wish I was more like Jesus. Every single one. So there has to be something to that, right? If it's a 100%, then there has to be something to that. Maybe the abundant life really does come from chasing after him. That, that you, you get this fulfillment by chasing after him. That part of that, part of that uh, Aeonios Zoe is in the pursuit of Jesus. And you get stronger and you get better and you get more fulfilled, right? You can either chase after, like, I just, I'm just trying to make it to Friday. Or you can live fulfilled in every moment. That's the, that's the Zoe that we're after. When, earlier in the conversation with Nicodemus, he said, you have to be born of, of water and of the spirit, Born of water is just the life that you have been given on earth. Born of the Spirit is this whole new fulfillment thing. You can chase after death or you can chase after eternity. It's your choice. You get to do these things. C.S. Lewis said this quote. I love C.S. Lewis because in, in just a few sentences, he can paint an entire picture of this beautiful thing. He said, and that is precisely what Christianity is about. This world is like a great sculptor's shop. We are the statues, and there's this rumor going around that some of us are someday going to come to life. Church. <clears throat> Promotion. Some of us someday. Gonna, did y'all just catch that? You late laughers? I'm going to need you to laugh at the joke, not later when you figure it out, okay? Some of us are eventually going to come to life, and that's that eternal life, that fullness of life that he offers. It's the abundant life. You lift him up in your life, and that abundant life comes. So how do you get this eternal life? Um, in 15, he says, uh, the serpent and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. The believing here says whoever believes in him. Um, it's not believing that Jesus existed. It's factual that Jesus walked on the earth. You don't, there's, it takes no faith whatsoever. I guess it takes faith in history books. But it takes no faith whatsoever to believe that Jesus existed. It takes faith to believe that he is the one like Neo, the one who, who came to save us. It takes faith to believe in that. Trusting, and there's trusting and believing in the finished work of him being lifted up. Um, you may have participated in this at some point in your life, the sales pitch of Christianity. It's like the, the preacher says, all right, everybody, bow your heads and close your eyes. And he starts talking in a different voice. Bow your heads and close your eyes. And I just want to give you the opportunity to quietly raise your hand so no one sees you. And you, too, can become a Christian if you will repeat after me the sales pitch that I was given. That's not, I mean, I want to be clear. You absolutely can become a Christian that way. Absolutely. I believe that if you ask Jesus into your heart and you repent, even if it's for a moment, and you repent and you ask for forgiveness, you, you're saved. You're going to heaven. Your eternity is secure, okay? There's a problem, though. A lot of people believe that if you do that and then you, you start living for yourself, then you're no longer on your way to heaven. Then that means you're earning some element of your salvation. Are you earning your salvation? No, you know better. You're not good enough to earn your salvation. So if you trust Jesus, then you get to go to heaven. But this life that you have now is not about getting to go to heaven, as we we're talking about. It's about something that's a lot more. 
So the emphasis in that verse about, oops, the emphasis in the verse is on whoever believes. The believes is what we're after here. It's a verb. 98 times in the Gospel of John, he uses the word believes or belief or believing. And 98 times, it's an action word. It's not belief, a, a thing. It's not a noun. It's a verb. It's this action of believing. Whoever is believing may have eternal life. Whenever you woke up this morning, you were believing that Jesus is the Son of God. You were believing this. You didn't believe this at one time. It was a thing that you did. It's a thing that you're doing. It's an action, right? Every day, the action of believing in the one who is lifted up for you. Now, I'm going to go over John 3.16. We're going to break it down. I could preach for two months on John 3.16 alone, easily. But I'm going to do it in 15 minutes or so. I said or so because in first service, it's not 15 minutes. For God, it's very important that you understand who the God is we're talking about here. God is not some force out in space, this far-off life force. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, the creator, the redeemer, the one who makes us in his image, the one who is totally sovereign, the one who is immutable, the one who does not change, the one who is perfect in every way, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, everywhere, all at once. That's the God we're talking about. We're not talking about the life force of, you know, God. These spiritual people that are like, God, yeah, I believe in God and, and she is my... What'd you say there? For God so loved the world. I do not understand for the life of me how people get so far off track that they think that God is this, like Zeus, like an angry God. He's got this lightning bolt waiting to strike you when you do something wrong. That's not God. For God so loved the world he loves the world in romans 5 8 it says but god demonstrated his own love for us that while we were still sinners christ died for us bro listen you never earned god's love before you knew jesus you weren't doing so well in life, you're like, you know what? I'm finally doing good enough. Now I can have God's love. Now I'll ask Jesus into my heart. Do you remember when you asked Jesus in your heart? You were messed up. The great thing about that, that person at that moment when you, when you were all messed up and you asked Jesus in your heart, you know what the great thing about that moment was? You knew it. You knew how much you needed Jesus. You knew that, like, there's no way I can get to heaven. I want to go to heaven, but there's no way I can be redeemed. So I need someone to pay that payment for me. In that moment, you understood it. But something happened at some point. And then you're like, okay, well, now, you know, now I'm a Christian. And now I'm still messing up. Oh, I just, I don't know how God can love me. It's not because of you. He doesn't love you because you're so good. Thank God. Your good behavior won't keep him loving you. Your bad behavior won't stop him from loving you. It's not contingent. It's not conditional on you. Never. None of it. So on your very, very worst day, 
And on your very, very best day, he loved you the exact same amount. The ultimate most love that could possibly be lavished out, he is lavishing out on you every moment of your life. It is not conditional on you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. His love for you was his motivation. His love for you was what it was all about. Now, you may have a different version of the Bible, or you may have, when you, remember when you memorized, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's important that the version we're using is, I use the English standard version usually, uh, but the version doesn't have begotten. You miss something if you don't have begotten. It's the only begotten son. Jesus, uh, it's important that we understand that Jesus was begotten. If you talk to a Mormon or you talk to a Muslim or you talk to a Jehovah's Witness, you will, you will, uh, they will tell you that Jesus was created by God. Jesus was not created by God. Jesus always was. Always, since the beginning, Jesus always was. He becomes a human at a point in history, um, but to beget something is to be the father of something. So to create something is to make something. To beget something is to create something that is you. It is the same as you. You are a human. You can beget another human. You cannot beget a giraffe. (laughs) You cannot beget a statue. You create a statue. You create things. You can create things, but uh, you, you, you can create something that's a different kind than you. If you make a statue, it's a different kind of you. It can be in your image, just like uh, humans are not gods. Humans are created in God's image, so we are not gods. You've heard that some people think that humans are gods, right? It's so weird. Like, you should just tell look how you act. You think you're a god? Look how you act. We are created and adopted into his family, and we become the sons and daughters of God. Lowercase s, lowercase d, sons and daughters of God. Jesus is the only begotten, capital S, son of God, because he was created by, I mean, he was begotten by God. He was not created by God. You with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him. This is like my favorite because this drops a bomb on the theology of every moment of your life is planned and you, cannot ha- you do not have a choice. Whoever believes in him, whoever. People believe that God created some people just to destroy them. I don't believe God does that. And the reason I don't believe God does that is because I have a Bible. People believe that. They read the Bible in a different way, and they, I just don't, I don't understand how they get there. But they can believe what they want to believe. Um, I can tell you this, that whoever believes in him, meaning you have a choice to believe in him, whoever believes in him, every one of us, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter if you're white, black, brown, green, purple. It doesn't matter if you're 14, if you're 80, if you're gay, if you're straight, even Democrats. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I know how y'all are. It doesn't matter. Speaking of, it doesn't matter how messed up you are. (laughs) I love you guys. Y'all are great. 
it doesn't matter if you've been a lifelong Republican. It doesn't matter if, if you think that Donald Trump is the best president ever in history. It doesn't matter if you're that messed up that you believe those things. It doesn't matter. You can come to Jesus. He has, he has made a way for you to be redeemed and in a relationship with him. And it's only through Jesus. What, you, what your, your beliefs on all the other things, they don't matter. Because he made a way that anyone can start a relationship with Jesus in this moment. You don't have to get yourself right first. Because you can't get yourself right first. All of your trying has gotten you even more messed up. So stop messing yourself up even more and just come to Jesus. Whoever you are, you can trust Jesus. And then he comes in. When you ask him into your heart, he comes in and he changes you. And he makes you better. And he sanctifies you. Meaning he cleans you up. And he makes you holy. He makes you, as messed up as you are, he makes you holy and perfect. You, of all the things you've done, think about your past. All those bad things you've done. He He comes in and he wipes it all clean. He forgives you for every bit of it. And if you just trust that he is big enough for that, then he redeems all of your past. It doesn't matter what you've done. He literally does not care all of the things that you've done because his blood, his sacrifice is big enough. For God so loved you that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him can have eternal life, can not perish but have eternal life. God, we thank you so much that your love is so grand, that your love and your forgiveness and, and the, how much you value us is indescribable. God, thank you so much, Lord, that you redeemed my past and that you are continuing to redeem me. I thank you for each and every one of these people in here who are hearing this, the people that are listening online, that they are also being redeemed, that they would lay down their life and trust that the, and look to the one that is lifted up because the plan that you have for us is far, far better than the plan that we have for ourselves. You are so good, God. We trust you with our future and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys.